Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. What does it mean to be righteous? Does my behavior determine my identity? Shouldn't my identity determine my behavior? What would it mean to you if you truly believed that you are righteous? Does sin make me unrighteous? Are we really just a sinner saved by grace? Pastor Todd leads us through the scripture to show us our identity as righteous children of the Most High God. If we walk in our identity as righteous, everything changes. We are unburdened from the guilt and shame. We have liberty. Are you ready to get into it? Be sure to listen to the end for some important information. So this morning, I want to talk to you about righteousness. Being a righteous person. What does it mean to be righteous? By the Greek definition, the Greek word used is dikaios, dikaios. Here's what it means. Upright, virtuous, innocent, faultless, guiltless, approved, acceptable to God. That's a pretty good place to be, isn't it? Let me say that again. Upright and virtuous, innocent, faultless, guiltless, approved, acceptable to God. Now, when you read through Scripture, you can also find that righteous used as a a verb. And when it's used as a verb, it means keeping the commands of God. So if I'm a righteous person doing a righteous thing, my righteous thing is to keep the commands of God. But that's not the righteousness I'm talking about. Let me show you in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, they're talking about how the Gentiles are coming to faith, and it's a little confusing for everybody, but there's some clarity in in Romans chapter 9, verse 30. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. (laughs) Romans 9, 30. What shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness? even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though if it were by works. Ah, this is the bomb to drop at the beginning. We often try to pursue our guiltlessness, our faultlessness before God by works. Look at what I'm doing, God. Look at the fact that I'm staying clean. Looking at the fact that I'm not going into these evil things. Look at how pure I am. I'm trying to do it by my works. They stumble over the stumbling stone. Now, that's an interesting comment. Just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion, that's you, a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. What's he talking about? He's talking about the law. He's talking about a set of rules, because listen, as a human, when I have a set of rules, I want to adhere to those rules so that I'll be right. But he's saying that's a stumbling block, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Now we're talking about grace. By faith, I believe there won't be a disappointment then. So how does one obtain righteousness? According to this scripture, by faith. I get my righteousness by faith, not by trying to obtain it by works. In other words, you are not righteous by what you do. You are righteous by what you believe. You're going to need that later. So I'm going to say it again. You are not righteous by what you do. You are righteous by what you believe. 
So let's, let's have a theology and a doctrinal lesson. Y'all ready? Can you go deep? All right, let's go to Romans chapter 5. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to start from Adam, and we'll be done sometime tomorrow around noon. 5.12. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world. Who are we talking about? Good. And death through sin. So once the sin came in, death followed the sin. And so departed, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So if sin brings death, if we all sin, all of us have death. For until the law, sin was in the world. Stay with me. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him to come. Wow, that was a bunch. But here's what it just said. When the law is defined, I know when I'm breaking the law. Are you with me? If there's no speed limit on the road, there's no wrong speed limit to drive. But once a law is defined, we know what's right and wrong. Listen to me. If you get nothing today, please get this. This is why the law came into play. This is why God defined it. So we would know what God considers sin. He defined it with the law. Now, there was no law written out like that prior to Moses. But we know there was sin prior to Moses because Cain killed Abel because of the lives of the people in the days of Noah prior to that written law. So we know God had expressed right and wrongs because he even expressed to Cain and Abel, this is a right sacrifice, this is a wrong sacrifice. So we know it was there and sin was in the world, but it wasn't defined. So we had the law to define what is sin to God so that man would know what sin is. Now, if you understand that concept... Then you can understand Matthew 5.18 that says not one jot or tittle of the law will go away until all has come to pass. Why? Because the law is for the lost. The lost must have the law in order to know what is sin to God. So we have to keep the law so the definition of sin is there. So a lost person could say, oh, that's what offends God. Oh, that's what I've done. That law cannot go away because the lost person needs the law to know what is sin before God. You with me? I hope that helps. Look at 15. But the free gift, everybody say free gift. The free gift is not like the transgression. So now he's just compared two things. A free gift, I don't know why I'm saying grift. A free gift and a transgression. The comparison is between Adam and the transgression and Jesus and the free gift. Staying with me? So the free gift is what Jesus did and the transgression is what Adam did. For if by the transgression... Of the one, many died. Sin was brought into the world, therefore death, all have sinned. 
For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. He just made a parallel. Adam sinned, brought death into the world. Death is over us all because we all sin. One man came and gave a free gift. It's going to affect many just like everybody after Adam. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. Adam sinned, therefore brought condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. I'll explain it in a minute. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, if you can understand that Adam sinned and therefore we all sin, much more those who receive the abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in Christ through the one, uh, will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, all of that is saying this. One guy did something, and all of us have to deal with sin and death. But there was another guy that did something named Jesus, and because of what he did, we now have a gift of righteousness and life that everybody can receive. Adam created a transgression, therefore death. Jesus created a gift of righteousness, therefore life. Verse 18. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Adam sinned, watch this, so everyone following after Adam is sinned and condemned. Jesus was righteous, so everyone that follows after Jesus is righteous and justified. (laughs) Notice that he said the result of righteousness is justification. Definition of justification. That which has been deemed right so as to have the force of law. That's important. Let me say it again. Justification is that thing which has been deemed right, so right that it has the justification to be enforced by a law. It can be enforced by a law because it's been justified. God has decreed that you are innocent of sin and that is made enforceable by law. Justification, just as if I'd never sinned, I am justified. What is that saying? I have been deemed innocent by God to a point that it is enforced by a law. It is a law that I am innocent. You'll get it. I promise you, you'll get it. God has decreed a law that you are righteous through the gift to you, and because you are righteous, you will reign in life. So let's sum that up. Because of Jesus' righteous gift, it is decreed by law that anyone following Jesus is innocent and in right standing with God. It's okay, I'm going to express that to you about eight different ways before we're done. Some of you are like... For as through one man's disobedience, verse 19, the many were made sinners, even through the obedience of the one, many will be made 
righteous. Through the obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. Through what Jesus did, many will be made righteous. And that righteousness is a gift because it is never about what you did, what you're doing, or what you will do. It is about what Jesus did to give you a free gift of righteousness. Jesus makes you righteous and God decrees that is a justifiable, enforceable law. Mm. Okay, so now we have this foundation of righteousness through Christ. So let's talk about now what it means if it is enforceable by law that you are righteous. Maybe a scripture like this might have a different meaning to you with that understanding. Matthew 6.33 But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. When you enter the kingdom of God and righteousness, all things get added to you. What gets added to you? If you go back into that scripture and look at the preceding conversation, he says some of you are worried about food. Some of you are worried about clothing. Some of you are worried about your finances. Some of you are worried about your life. But if you would step into the kingdom of God and receive his righteousness, you wouldn't have to worry about those things. Let me ask you this question. When Christ was on the cross bearing the sins of man, had Christ ever committed a sin? No, what he did on the cross was receive the sin of man, receive the condemned status of man that he didn't deserve. He didn't do anything to sin, but he received on the cross the sins of all man. That's not hard to understand, is it? As a Christian, we've heard that all our life. He took upon himself sin so that we could be made righteous. So in in a status where he does not deserve it, where he didn't do anything for it, he gets our sin. Likewise, you did not commit righteousness to get eternal life. You received a righteousness that was not yours. (laughs) he didn't sin but he became sin you were not righteous but you became righteous Mm. so when God looked at Jesus on the cross with our sins he looked at Jesus and said you die but when he looks at you and me after accepting what Jesus did for us on the cross he says you live Even though you were the one that committed the sin, He took it upon Himself. Even though you were the one that was not righteous, He gave you righteous standing before God. Huge. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Are you seeing that transfer? He was not sinful, but he got condemned and put to death for sin. I was not righteous, but I get eternal life because of the righteous standing that he gives me. 
So you're righteous because he gave you righteousness as a gift. So I'm trying in my office this week to figure out how do I get this across in a way that a person could just accept and receive that they are righteous. How do I do that? You know, the scripture says that you have to be born again. I'm asking you, what would happen if when we got born again and we're white, we became black? You're not sure you like that plan. Let's say when I became a Christian, when I put my faith in Christ, I also became a black. You would look at me and you say, you're a black. And I would say, can't deny that. I didn't do this. I didn't ask for it to happen, but I have this. Why? Watch this. Because, uh, listen, the reason, Pastor Polk, why you're black (laughs) is because you were born black. When you were born, you got something from your parents and therefore you are black. When I am born in Christ, I get something from the Father. It's called righteousness. I can't do anything. It just is who I am. Jesus has changed my complexion to righteous. All of you who are so nervous about how can he talk race in church, chill out. It's okay. Where's he going with it? Waiting to say something offensive. Righteousness is not your decision. Faith in Jesus Christ is your decision. But when you make the decision for faith in Jesus Christ, you get righteousness. You are righteous. Now here's the beauty. When I become righteous, I can begin to act righteous. Behavior does not determine my identity. My identity should determine my behavior. Your behavior changes when your identity changes. Ever heard somebody say, I can be a little stinker? You know what you just did? You gave yourself permission to do stinky things. But if I could say, I can be righteous, I just gave myself permission to be righteous. Even though I'm already righteous, I can start believing in my righteousness. (laughs) I could just go a whole different direction with the message right now about what's true and what you believe. They're not the same. Sometimes you're not believing what's true, but if you were to believe what's true, that you're righteous and you were to believe it, you could begin acting righteously and sin wouldn't be the issue. I'm not, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about the acceptance of identity. What would it mean to you if you believed you were righteous? So last week we talked about obedience. Listen, my obedience is because of my righteousness. My righteousness is not because of my obedience. Wow, that one went over really well. 
I am blessed because of the righteousness of Jesus and therefore obedient. So I don't have to worry. This is a big concept I want you to grab. I don't have to worry about sinning. Did you know that a righteous person doesn't have to worry about the law? Okay, let me put it to you this way. Let's say you were well aware that there is a law that says if you kill somebody, you will be tried in a court of law by your peers. And the law says you will be sentenced to spend time in jail for that killing. And the law says if you killed someone, you can be executed for it. Is that stuff true? Why aren't you worried about it? It's the law. Why don't you walk around every day saying, oh, I don't want to be tried by my peers. I don't want to end up in jail. I don't want to end up being executed. Why? Because your identity is not a murderer. Therefore, you don't have to worry about the law. I don't have to worry about the rules if my identity doesn't fall under those rules. It's a problem I have. No offense, you've been through it. I support it. It's good. All that kind of thing. But it's my problem with Alcoholics Anonymous. When you have to stand up and say, my name is Todd. I'm an alcoholic. No, you're not. Not if you're saved by grace. You are righteous and strong. See, I hear this phrase, or I heard it growing up a lot. Man, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, I'm not. I was a sinner, but I was saved by grace. Therefore, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't have to walk around worrying about sin. Oh, no, it's creep. So some people say, well, if we're righteous, then you're saying that sin is okay. I'm saying, if you're asking me that question, you don't know what it means to be righteous. You don't. I'm sick of that question. Nobody who is righteous stops and says, can I sin? I'm in the kingdom of God in light and life and joy and blessing. Why would I want to step back over here into the kingdom of darkness where there is sin and death? I don't want that anymore because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Why would I betray that to go back into sin and death? I'm not interested in sin. I'm not interested in sinning. It has no appeal on me. It's in the darkness. I want to be in the light and I want to walk in that righteousness so I don't have to think about, oh no, what if I sin? Oh no, I got to worry about it. Oh no, I hope God still loves me. Oh no, what do I do if I do something wrong? Oh no, I don't want God to be mad at me. That's not how we believe as a righteous person. As a righteous person, I don't have a desire to sin. As a righteous person, I don't worry about sinning. It doesn't apply to me if I'm a righteous righteous person. I do not wonder if God loves me. If I'm a righteous person, I'm not living my life avoiding punishment. I'm living my life enjoying the blessing. Now, for anybody who would want to go out of here and say, is this a free grace conversation? Listen, the Bible is clear. Once we are saved, should we continue in sin because grace abounds by no means? Listen, sin is bad for you. 
There will be consequences in your soul and in your body for sin. It's just the way it is. The Bible is clear. We should live a sanctified life. We should be holy. The problem is we don't believe in our own righteousness so that we can walk in a clean and holy life. We're still worried that the devil's got a hold on us. We're still worried that he has some kind of authority over us. We're still worried that we might sin and God might be mad at us. What if we believed we were righteous and all of that stuff didn't have an appeal? When I'm in the light, I have no desire to be in the dark. God is going to punish your sin. He will. Your personal sin will be punished by God with a great wrath. Yep. The sin you will do tomorrow will incur the wrath of God. However, every bit of that wrath gets poured out on Jesus, not you. Not you. Jesus absorbed the punishment for your sin on the cross, including tomorrow's sin. Will I have consequences for my sin today and tomorrow? Yes. I hope you're ready for this. Scripture that says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. In the Old Testament, you see story after story after story about God pouring out His wrath on His own people. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you to Mount Sinai. You made a golden calf. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grind that thing up. I want you to put it in the water. You're going to drink it. I'm going to send the elders through and we're going to kill 3,000 of you. Man, that's a wrathful God. That's a wrathful God. Uh, David, you want to take a census of the people? I'm going to give you a choice. Here's one of your three punishments. Which one do you pick? You pick the plague? Okay, 10,000 people die of that plague. That's a wrathful God. But Jesus was the propitiation for man. What does that mean? It means he absorbed the full wrath of God for your sin. In an eternal God wrathful punishment, it's already been poured out on Jesus. So what's going on for me now? A loving, loving father who does not want you to deal with the consequences of your sin. So he disciplines you. So as a father, he says, don't go out in the street. So as a father, he says, don't go into the club. As a father, he says, don't look at him. Don't look at her. They're not good for you. As a father, he will say, I guess you're going to have to endure the consequences of that decision because you chose the darkness, but it's not what I wanted for you. I loved you, but I will not pour out wrath on you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Eternally, I'm not going to pour out my wrath on you. Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. When Jesus died on the cross, he satisfied the anger of God towards sin. He took the punishment so that you could be righteous before God. I want you to watch this because for me, I got this in prayer yesterday morning in our seven o'clock Saturday prayer. Look forward to seeing you there next week. But this is what he showed me. Colossians 3.3 says this. For you have died, talking to the believer, 
and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. 1 Corinthians 3.26 Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? One more. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Hidden in Christ and dwelled by the Spirit, Christ lives in me. So with those scriptures in mind, what does God see when He looks at you? His very Spirit in you. His very Son in you. How can God disapprove of you when you are hidden in His Son? How can He disapprove of you when the very Spirit of God is dwelling in you? Listen, He loves you. He will not cast out Himself. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And you are the temple where His Spirit lives. He cannot come against His own temple. So here's the deal. Going back to our conversation. There are really only two ethnicities on the entire planet. There are only two races that exist. Those indwelled by the Holy Spirit and the lost. Those with Christ living in them and the lost. Those who are hidden in Christ and the lost. Those who are sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption and the lost. Those who are in the kingdom of God and the lost. Listen, those who are righteous and the lost. See, I believe God looks at this world and he says, my children, I love them. They're mine. I put my very spirit in them. I hide them in what Christ did for them. They are a righteous people. And then he looks at the rest and this is what he says. My children, I love them but they have rejected me. But I want them. I love them. I want them to accept me, to step into my kingdom, to live with me internally. I want them to go from being lost to righteous. If you're here today and you don't know Christ is your Savior, if you don't understand what He's done by giving you righteousness, I have to explain it to you. God created this earth He populated this earth with people. And it was his desire that it be their dominion that they rule over. And listen to me, he didn't do it because he needed somebody to hang out with, because he needed fellowship. He wants fellowship with you, but he didn't create us because he needed fellowship. He created us as an expression of his love. I want to create you so that I can love you. I want to give you an earth. I want to give you a garden. I want to take care of you. I want you to have all this because I want to show you my love. We were his children. In the garden, it was righteous. It was right. There was no sin. But Satan came into the garden. And Satan began a conversation with Eve. And this is what it says if you go back and look. Eve, do you want to be like God? Because if you were to eat from this fruit, you'd be like him. You'd know good and evil. Eve said, well, it's a good-looking piece of fruit, and it tastes good, and it'll make us like God. It'll make us wise, so we should do this. It's called deception. 
The enemy's still doing it today. He's making it look good, but it's not good. It's not good if it's not God. And we're falling for it. We're falling for it. This makes me feel good. I want to do this. Listen, every make you feel good, want to do thing is also in the kingdom of life, but it's eternally good, not temporarily good. So man had sinned and therefore death was in the world. There was a separation eternally between man and God. And God said, I don't want this. From the very initial conversation with Adam and Eve, this is what he says. I will do something about this. Your seed, Eve, one will come from your seed that will sacrifice himself, that will give redemption and salvation for everybody. From the very moment of the offense, God is working to repair the relationship because he loves you, because he wants you, and he wants to see you as righteous. So while man sins, God sends Jesus here as a man. To take dominion back because dominion was given to man. But this is what he did. He walked out his life here never sinning. Never once offending God. Never once disobeying God. Never once doing anything worth punishment before God. Why is that important? It's important because if he had just once, if he had just one time sinned before God, he would be no different than you and I, ready for condemnation because of our offense, just like Adam and Eve, who in the beginning just did one thing wrong. That one thing separates. But Jesus never did that one thing wrong, so therefore he was innocent, faultless, guiltless before God that gave him the opportunity to take your condemnation upon himself God there do death and separation from you eternally I will take that death and separation so that they don't have to pay that consequence Christ is beat whipped hung on a cross cries out my God Why have you forsaken me? Because at that moment, God is pouring out his wrath against all sin on Jesus. And Jesus is enduring not only that wrath, but that separation from God that we deserve because of our sin. He's taking it. That moment on the cross when he cries that out, there's a recognition that all of the punishment for man's sin is being put on Jesus and he is being separated from God. And if he had died and they put him in a tomb and we never saw him again, He'd be just a great guy that said good stuff, that performed incredible miracles, but couldn't prove eternal life. But see, the Holy Spirit raised him up from the dead. And he came back and said, do you see this? I died, but I'm standing right here in front of you. And my life now is eternal with God. I'm going back to the Father and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you and lead you because there's an eternal life available 
to you. How do I obtain that life after this physical one? How do I step into that kingdom of God? How do I become righteous? Do you remember from the very beginning, how did the Gentiles do it? Through faith. What am I putting my faith in? That Jesus Christ was perfect and that He took my sins on at the cross, and that He paid the punishment for me so that I could be hidden in His righteousness before God. See, He who knew no sin became sin so that I might become guiltless before God in Him. If you're here today, and you don't recognize what Christ has done for you. It is a free gift. There's nothing you have to do other than put your faith in it and believe. The changes will come. Why? Because your identity will change from sinner to saved to righteous person so I can walk in righteousness and not spend my life worried about sin. Today, if you don't know Christ, I invite you to close your eyes, all of us around the room. Because if you're already a believer, I want you praying for those who are in here who do not believe yet. Because they need to be given the opportunity right here, right now, before they leave this room. Do you know that you have put your faith in, that you believe Christ took your punishment before God on the cross? That He was condemned in your place That He was separated from God so you don't have to be. That you are righteous because He's going to give you the free gift of innocence before God by taking on all of your guilt and condemnation. The Bible says that right now, right here in this place, you can put your faith in what Jesus did. Maybe, maybe you want to have a conversation with God, just you and Him, and maybe you want to say, all right, God, Today's the day that I put my faith in what Jesus did for me. I believe that I have sinned against you, God. I know it. I see it in my life. But I'm going to believe that Jesus paid all, all of the consequence, all of the punishment for my sin before you. He took it on himself and he gave me a righteousness. I'm hidden in him because he was righteous. And I want to accept that eternal life from you, God. I want you to send your spirit to live in me, to move in me, to breathe in me, to convince me of my righteousness. Thank you, God, that I can have the freedom to obey. The freedom to enjoy the blessings that I don't have to walk around in fear of a loving father. But I can just accept the free gift of eternal life. Right now, God, I'm putting my trust in what Jesus did for me. I'm putting my faith in what he did on the cross for me. I believe, I believe that I'm righteous before you because of what Jesus did and this free gift he's given me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at reviveusnow.com. Now for some very exciting news. 
Pastor Todd's latest book has just been released. It's called Missing Pieces. Have you ever asked yourself, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, why do I still do the things I don't want to do? Pastor Todd addresses this and many more important questions that most of us have pondered for years. Pastor Todd fills in the missing pieces that we have wondered about, and when those pieces are understood and put in place, the bigger picture becomes more clear. This new book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue in Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.